Hello and welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and we are breaking down Manchester United's 2-1 win away to Fulham. Adamola Lookman opened the scoring in the fifth minute. Edinson Cavani leveled the scores in the 21st before Paul Pogba scored an absolute golazo in the 65th. Carl, United made things very tense towards the end, basically got by by the skin of their teeth. What are your impressions after the match? Hey Vivek, hey everybody. You know, glad glad we came out on top in that one. I think if I were to use, you know, the traditional one word to describe this game, I would say composure. Our our players were able to tough it out. Yes, Fulham did apply a lot of pressure. We got really deep towards the end of the game. However, we were able to hold on to our composure, do the right things at the right time, defend any which way, even if it was by one inch from the, <laughs> the near post. We were able to to get the job done. Once again, coming from behind, nothing new for us. And the belief was there for everybody to see. And you could just see these guys really want it. So I was I was very pleased with the performance and uh, looking ahead. Yeah, I mean, you would think they have no choice but to believe when you've won seven straight, 17 straight away from home. Undefeated away this season and continuing to get it done. After falling behind, that's 21 points that United have now picked up after trailing. Obviously, that's a big part of them being on top of the table once again. When you look at how United started this match, the big changes would be Cavani entering the starting lineup for Marcus Rashford, Scott McTominay going out, and Mason Greenwood coming in. What did you make of the changes the other one I should mention, of course, is Eric Bailly coming in for Victor Lindelof, who's again dealing with his back issues. What did you make of the changes and how United lined up? Yeah, so I think if we're just looking back at our predictions from the previous game, we got three of them wrong because we thought, you know, Victor would continue to play. We thought Tellez would come in and we would potentially go with a diamond formation, either James or Van de Beek playing on the, the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Now, that wasn't meant to be. Obviously, when we were were speaking about this, we had the Liverpool game in mind. Clearly, Ole had different ideas, and he just looked at the next game, which is probably the right approach. Overall, I thought it was a very strong lineup from, from United. They were not... They were showing Fulham the respect they deserve based on their recent history uh, with performances against Chelsea and Tottenham and Liverpool where they definitely acquitted themselves really well. It was a very strong lineup. I was a little surprised by the way we started, if I'm being honest. The first 10 minutes, Fulham were all over us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's where the goal came from. And then, you know, we slowly gained our composure and were able to slowly play ourselves back into the game. I thought the, chain, the changes that uh, Ole made, the one that obviously really worked for us was Cavani up top. Uh, just this night and day difference there. The the running, the What a desire. shocking surprise that Cavani yeah. came in as the number nine and had a huge impact. Makes you ask the question, if Cavani started against Liverpool, would we be talking about a different result or not, right? But hindsight is always twenty twenty, I guess. I mean, to be fair, that's something we wanted beforehand as well, right? It's not like we waited to see Marshall's performance and then made the judgment. I think we were both of the opinion that Cavani was the preferred option for that match. And 
Solskjaer just happened to decide otherwise. Solskjaer's got, uh, I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but Solskjaer's has got a redo if he wants with uh, Sunday's uh, matchup. So let's see if he learns from the first match or not. <laughs> now you mentioned the start that United had in this match, very poor, which has been the opposite of the way they've started games of late, barring that Liverpool match where also Liverpool came out on the front foot. United have been very good with their starts over this good stretch of play that they've had. I want to look at this goal that they allowed Fulham, and they basically switched off. There was clear miscommunication between Harry Maguire, Eric Bailly, and Paul Pogba in terms of marking Lukman's run. But then you could also say if Aaron Juan Bissaka just holds the line and is right alongside everyone else, Lukman's offside, and there's no damage done. Where do you think the blame lies for that first goal? So I'm going to... I would disagree with you regarding Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Because if you look at the replay, it's not like he was completely out of position. It was probably his foot that was, you know, a little further back than it needed to be. And, and we're talking about, you know... But that's the thing, right? Like, he... Where he was on the right side of the field, there was... It was like he was retreating to defend it. And so... That one step back is what cost him. Mm-hmm. If he, like everyone else, is taking that one step forward instead to say, hey, we're just going to play him off here, then again, no damage done. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from, especially since when he takes that foot backward, it's not like he was trying to mark a player that was making a run next to him. Uh, there was nobody next to him, right? So Exactly. It's almost like he got a little trigger happy there uh, and went... Uh, <laughs> Uh, got a false start in a hundred meter race or something. Yeah. But uh, for me, I would I would say that I was most disappointed with Eric Bai, and the reason for that is after our analysis with the Wolves game, where you've seen Bai's positioning and not just his positioning but his recovery, I felt uh, he was on his heels on the back foot, and and he could he has the pace to catch up, but it just looked like he's like okay, this is somebody else's problem. They're going to handle it as opposed to just taking things into his own hands and dealing with it and asking questions later. So that's where I would say the most blame lies with. Yeah, I think that's fair enough because the one thing I would say when you're playing that offside trap is if you're not sure, someone like Bai should trust his athleticism and say, okay, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to that ball first and I'm gonna make sure even though Lukman's making this run, I'm going to make life very difficult for him. When you're not sure, I think you just have to commit and take the a decision with conviction. When you play it uncertainly, then you, it can lead to mistakes like what we saw. The other question I have for you, when Anwan Misaka makes a mistake like that, and then we saw later in the 37th minute, again, he was caught unawares. Is this a tired mistake? Is this a situation now where we're seeing there is no depth at the right back position and he's being asked to play match after match after match? They're probably going to need him again in the FA Cup in a few days. Is this a situation where too much is being asked of him and mentally he's being worn? Yeah, physically he might be fit and ready to go, but mentally we know that can wear on you. I'm going to answer your question with another question because I think... (laughs) you you have a valid point and where you touched on mentally now i'm i'm wondering because of his his youth 
And mentally, you know, this is probably the first time he's ever been in a title race. Was he a little complacent because he's facing a Fulham team that's near the the bottom end of the table and he's like, okay, this is going to be a cakewalk. Yeah. So I can, you know, I've played against the PSGs. I've played against Liverpool, quitted myself quite well. This should be a, a piece of cake. And then he got uh, a rude awakening because Lookman was in the mood this first half. So I'm wondering, it could be tiredness, but if I were to take a guess, I think it's more complacency than tiredness. He's a, he's a young lad. I, I'm pretty sure he can, he can handle the amount of games being thrown at him. So I think it's the combination of both, right? I think it's him looking at the schedule, coming off that tough game Sunday, now saying, again, I have to go against Liverpool next Sunday, and looking at Fulham as like, okay, I have to play all these minutes. This is my chance for a break. And so that's where you let up a little bit. Whereas if you have some competition for places, if you have a dependable right back, maybe he just gets the night off and you have that other option playing. Yeah, you know what? The the competition for places, spot on with that one. I think we actually can see the counterfactual here because Luke Shaw played against Liverpool. And in the past, I'm going to wager that you might have had the exact same issue with Luke Shaw where there's some tiredness that might have creeped in mentally. Mm-hmm. However, he knows that Talis is on the bench and if he gets a start, he could very well lose his place against Liverpool, mm-hmm. the Liverpool game, right? So he cannot afford to do that, which is why he has to remain switched on. Whereas Juan Bissaka, you know, he's look, he's thinking, he's like, okay, who's who's going to give me a, a challenge here? Okay, you got a makeshift right back in Axel Twanzebe. Oh, the other right back, he's out on loan with AC Milan, Diego Dallo. And the other one, Fosu Mensa, just been sold. <laughs> <laughs> this place is mine, whether, you know, I play at 100% or 80%. So I think, you know, that's a fantastic point you make. And definitely something for Ole to consider. How does he marshal the troops? Uh, to this point, he's done an absolutely fantastic job of rotating the squad, keeping them fresh, motivated, and having that desire till the 94th minute so let's see if he can continue to do that you mentioned someone to give Luke Shaw a run for his money and someone to be in the back of his mind I'm sure he's in the back of Anthony Marshall's mind and I'm sure he's in the back of every EPL defender's mind Edinson Cavani since coming to this club has continued to make impact after impact after impact and once again United looking to level matters He's at the right place at the right time. And after some great work from Bruno, and even before that from Fred to win the ball back, United are level in the 21st minute. That uh, example, you said it. Fred, if it wasn't for his high press, we're not getting that goal. Bruno hits the post right before that. The ball ricochets and then Fred closes down the defender, deflects it, doesn't go out of play. We gain possession back. Fred plays a quick one-two with Bruno, releases Bruno down the left wing, crosses it, and, you know, there was a goal out of nothing. Yes, there was definitely a keeper mistake there where he should have <laughs> gobbled it up. But uh, I think Michael Owen made a fantastic point where he talked about Cavani. He can just sniff the right area to be in to get the goal. Most players, once Greenwood makes that near post run, the other striker is going to the far post. Nine out of ten people are going to do that. For some reason, Cavani tends to stay around that area where he thinks the ball is most likely going to come. 
not where he should go, but where nine times out of 10, that ball is going to come. So that's experience right there. And hey, he uh, he got justly rewarded for, for just sniffing the right areas. Another player who does this really well is Sergio Aguero. And so I must I must hand it to the uh, the transfer gurus at United. We don't give them a lot of credit, and rightfully so, but this Cavani signing is turning into a masterstroke. It reminds me of the Henrik Larsson signing that United made, uh, I think, back in 2007 when we really needed some depth with our strikers. And so this is paying us fruitfully. I mean, hey, in my opinion, if he could get the starts he probably deserves... He could end up having an impact on this season like Robin Van Persie had when United won their 20th. I think that's how well he's playing. And wow, that's that's high praise. It is, but you look at the work he's putting in. I mean, I've said this before, even defensively, right? Like the way he tracks back and puts in tackles, the way he's able to position himself on corners when United are defending and is able to get the ball out. All these little things that he does, again, you know, the impact, I can't say enough about it. Obviously, his fitness levels are probably not the same as what Van Persie's was when he was uh, guiding United to that 20th title. And so he's not going to be able to play as many matches. But every time he's on the pitch, you feel like he's going to make something happen. And I had that same feeling when Robin Van Persie was here. Now, someone else who's who's really making things happen on the pitch... His name is Paul Pogba. We we have been pretty harsh on him in the past, especially when uh, his agents seem to be making news left, right, and center. What did you think of his performance today? And how important is he going forward? He was phenomenal today. I hope he's phenomenal going forward because he's absolutely pivotal if United are going to stay in this title race. You see the difference world-class players can make and you see the way he combines with Bruno, the way he's got his head up for crosses, always uh, being able to play those diagonals to switch the play. That's something that United don't really have options for. The fact that he's able to provide those facets of the game to United, even those crosses, you know, there was the one that he was able to find Bruno and obviously was offside, but that type of cross is just special. And then that type of left-footed strike into the back of the net, that those are the type of goals that can win you a title. right? Those are difference-making moments where United at 1-1, are they going to get a goal? Are they not? They, you know, It seems like if it's going to happen, it's going to come off across. Like Fulham played that part of it really well. right? They're saying, okay, you know, we don't think United can beat us aerially. And even though there were a couple of headers that United had, they were really wasteful with it, right? We saw Harry Maguire once again waste a header. Anthony Marshall had a header that, you know, didn't really test the goalkeeper. It was a decent header. Cavani had a header as well. Yeah, that that was a great save. Yeah. That was a really good save. Um, But it felt like United weren't going to be able to crack through along the ground. And I thought it was interesting that Solskjaer said after the match, uh, United were almost trying to be too direct and we're trying a few too many Hollywood passes. I thought that was an interesting comment. For Pogba to pull that out of the bag, I think he's going to be absolutely instrumental. I mean, let's face it, his goal today, you think about the goal uh, he scored before. Burnley game? 
the yeah the Burnley game, and then there's the West Ham game. Then there's the West Ham game. You could argue he's over the last few matches he's been the biggest reason United are in the title race. I think correct me if I'm if I'm not mistaken, but all three goals of his have they been the winner? I know the West Ham one was and the Fulham one was. Yeah, was the Burnley one? I mean, the Burnley match was 1-0, right? So that was... So, yeah. So, so he's, <laughs> he's got us nine points. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you know, there's a lot of critics out there for Paul Pogba. Some of his harshest critics might be saying, hey, you know what? United could do with a, a couple of glitchy goals, if I were to borrow a phrase from some people I know, as opposed to just these worldies. What do you say about that? I mean, one case in point could be like, hey, you know what? If you had put that goal against Liverpool away then uh, you could be further ahead. So, hey, Paul, like you're, you're scoring all these worldies, but what about some, you know, uh, glitchy goals as well? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many of those he's missed. How many opportunities has he had point blank like that where he's really missed out? As much as you criticize Pogba for that miss, you can criticize Bruno for his miss as well, where Allison makes the save. So... I don't know how many of those opportunities he's really had. In terms of those types of opportunities, the first name that comes to mind is Anthony Marshall. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get too carried away with that conversation about Pogba. I'm really impressed with him. To ever since those Rayola comments, Solskjaer challenged him to speak up and he put out that Instagram post addressing the situation. And ever since then, he's been phenomenal. He's he's arguably been United's best player. Yeah, I, I cannot refute that statement at all. I think if you even just go and look at our Cantona callers over the last month, uh, <laughs> Paul's name appears quite frequently on that list. Just quickly, so in that case, would you give today's Cantona caller to him as well? Or do you have another candidate? I mean, the only two people that I have on my list is Pogba and Cavani. Yeah, uh, same. And both of them were you know, equally important in this game Cavani obviously with the first Pogba with the second but it's not just about the goals it's what they did throughout the game Mm -hmm. Cavani busting a gut running back breaking a counter-attack he got this interception that might not seem like a big deal but that interception saved us from a counter where Ruben Loftus-Cheek was in the mood so honestly I cannot tell you who the Cantona callers because it is so close and they were equally monumental in their performances so vivek i need i need you to to make a decision on this one because i can't choose between these two before i make my pick i just want to go off of a point you just made cavani running back to make that tackle leadership bruno fernandez losing the ball then running back 20 yards and making a a tackle to make sure united didn't concede off his giveaway leadership paul pogba loses the ball runs down back the wing and makes a tackle. Leadership. And so when your biggest names are doing that, it sends a message to everyone around. And so I think that's going to be really critical going down the stretch, the the second half of the season. And it was beautiful to see. It was just beautiful to see. And long may it continue. Cantina caller, goal like that, I have to give it to Pogba. I mean, I love what Cavani did uh, in this match. And that's something I've come to expect from him. But to score a goal that special, one of the things that that's be quietly becoming my favorite things to watch is the final whistle celebration from Pogba. 
every win now means so much to him and you can see it every every time that final whistle goes off now i'm looking for his reaction and i love it so canton a caller for me i'm 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 going with paul papa he had a couple of cuss words that were caught live on tv i don't know if you heard that when he was talking to the ref <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah okay so canton a caller to pogba and no disagreements there now i just wanted to to bring it back because you you talked about how ole had challenged pogba mm-hmm. to you know send out the right message and he did that via instagram does ole get enough credit for handling the situation and really getting the best out of paul after everything that's gone gone on no he doesn't frankly he doesn't get enough credit for everything that he's done everything that he's got right at the club you know i, I i've said a few things about how you know when british managers do things they get a lot of credit and when british managers do things wrong that you don't hear too much about it specifically i'm talking about frank lampard right now and with Ole, be getting a very long leash by the way <laughs> especially for chelsea standards right roman abramovich must be pretty far away on vacation somewhere <laughs> but with ole the way he was getting murdered in the press by the media by whoever was doing pre-game uh, analysis post-game analysis tim sherwood is probably at the top of the list in terms of criticizing him ole got it spot on with pogba because he backed him he backed him he backed him until he really couldn't back him anymore and when those rayola comments came out and there was nothing from pogba's end it's like hey i've continuously stuck my neck out for you and you're just going to let this happen i've had enough and so at that moment to challenge pogba was absolutely the right move and we've seen the response i completely agree i think the handling the man management we've seen what the other side looks like our previous manager jose mourinho had enough washed his hands off of him i mean he initially made him the vice captain and then took it away he did the same thing with anthony marcial you could see the disgruntled nature within the squad right it needed refreshing so ole clearly saw that and he said okay i need to do something different and he's held strong to his beliefs he hasn't faltered pogba has probably given him a lot of reasons to falter on that and just you know alienate him from the squad i know that i was very harsh on paul and i said you know what i would just send him to the banish him to the tw- under 23s if he doesn't say anything well he came out and said something so i was along the same lines as you and i'm sure there were many other people thinking the same thing so don't feel too bad about that yeah and i think it's it's important you know when 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 a player is performing to the standards that we know he's capable of and you know that price tag of 89 million was there for a reason he's definitely showing it and i hope you know this continues i think the motivation of just challenging for a title brings the best out of paul just like the world cup did so like you said long may it continue just keep going have that belief and now you're starting to see not just paul the player but paul the leader as well So Carl, I would say after that Pogba goal in the 65th minute, United looked like they might be able to wrap up matters over the next I would say 10-12 minutes. They looked on the front foot still. But after that, it looked very much to me the same way Fulham closed out against Chelsea. In that match, Fulham had chance after chance after chance. And as they pushed bodies forward, finally in the 93rd or 94th minute, Chelsea were able to get away and close it out but it looked 
like Fulham were going to get that tying goal and heap that pressure back on United. What do you make of these close? Because this is not the first time we've seen United sit back, soak up pressure, and have to survive those final few minutes. What did you make of this closing today? And how can United get away from this pattern of closing out matches with a one-goal lead in such tense terms? I think this is bound to happen from time to time. One of the things I want to point out was that initially when United was on this good run, they were close to the top of the table. There wasn't that much pressure on them to contend for a title, right? That wasn't in the players' minds at the time. Mm -hmm. So they're able to play a lot freely. Now, having tied Liverpool, gotten that belief, still being top of the table, you know, any normal human being would probably start to think their mind is going to wander a little bit. Hey, you know what? If we continue this, we could be onto something here. So I think now that it's entering their minds, there's more and more pressure that each person is starting to feel. And so this is bound to happen where, you know what, if they have two options, they're probably going to take the safer option because they've got the three points in the pocket. And as a result, those counterattacks, those flying down to the opponent's side, committing a lot of players isn't happening as much, right? And as a result, you're starting to get some of this nervousness creeping into the squad. You know, some of the substitutes that Ole made, bringing on Matic or bringing on Scott, sends a message to the players and sometimes that can be infectious. So this is why it's very important for Ole. You know, when he, when he brought on that substitute Greenwood against Liverpool, sent the message for the players what they needed to do. So it's very important that the manager continues to stand, send the right message. And we are going to have some squeaky bum time, as Fergie used to say. And <laughs> it's, it's part of uh, being a title challenger. No complaints about it. I just think they need to manage it in a positive attitude couple of squeaky bum moments. Obviously, there was uh, the chance that De Gea made a solid foot save with. One that we've come to expect from him. But the 90th minute when Mitrovic has a header and it deflects off Bailly. When I was watching, I thought that was going into the net. The way the United players froze, it looked like it had gone into the net. And then to realize it had gone just wide, inches wide, I was like, thank God. <laughs> Man, when that net did not bulge, I was so happy because I, I thought it was a goal. The way the hair just froze, I'm like, that usually happens when the ball's in yep. the back of the net. And to see it go wide and to see the reactions by <laughs> was the, the happiest person in the ground, I think, because it was so inadvertent. There's nothing he could do about it. The good thing was he's able to get his hands out of the way, so there was no penalty call at least. Uh, but that was definitely, definitely squeaky bum time there. Uh, but, you know, all of those chances were created from a man possessed. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the second half was, was on a different planet. He was able to shrug off tackles, make these incisive runs, uh, really good strength on the ball. Is he your noisy neighbor? I think... The noisy neighbor should go to whatever was in Lukman in the first half that he transferred over to Loftus Cheek in the second half. <laughs> yeah, both of them were possessed, man. <laughs> Between those two, I thought they were great. I can definitely see the case for Loftus Cheek because I think he had the bigger challenge. Lukman, you know, I think the way Maguire defends, you can probably catch him off. There was that one moment where Maguire and Shaw weren't in sync. And Lookman was able to 
get through. Opportunities like that, a player like him is going to pounce on. Loftus-Cheek, for me, had the challenge of, again, going up against Fred, going up against Pogba, and to play as well as he did. I think he just edges it for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, for me, I thought Ruben Loftus-Cheek is the noisy neighbor. Lookman had a fantastic first half. I would say that he started off extremely strong, but towards the end of the first half, he already started to mm. dwindle, whereas Ruben Loftus-Cheek was just you know consistent, and if anything, he just uh, shifted into a higher gear as the game came to towards a, an end. So for me, it's Ruben Loftus-Cheek. What about uh, the Beckham boot? So this is a tough one. I mean, I'm almost tempted to give it to Ariola because of his blunder to allow the Cavani equalizer. But he did make that big save on Cavani later as well. Looking at United players, I probably lean towards Aaron Wan-Bissaka because I just thought he was off it overall. I know maybe I'm being overly harsh with that first goal. But even beyond that, I just think didn't think he was at it. My expectations for him on the offensive side of the ball are very low. But even defensively, I didn't think he was all that impressive today. So I have another candidate, and I'll tell you why. I thought, yes, Juan Bissaka had a sleepy 30 first, first 30 minutes. However, he, he kind of grew into the game. I What I did like about him was one of the areas where we've been critical of him was offensively, hey, just go for it. Take the cross. If you mess up, it's okay. Just cross it. And I thought he actually made the attempt to cross it on more than one occasion. Some of them went to the keeper. Some of them went to the far post. It wasn't the most accurate, but at least it's a step in the right direction. Now, one That's person fair. who I was disappointed with was Mason Greenwood. Mm-hmm. The right-hand side has been a problem area for us. It is there for the taking for anybody to just put in a performance. You're going to get a consistent run in the side. This was your chance, Mason. And I didn't think he took it. He, he was a little hesitant. I thought his biggest weakness, which is probably also his biggest strength, is that he held onto the ball a little too long. And as a result, he was frustrating other players. Now, when you're a main striker and you're doing that, it's a different story because all strikers are selfish. To be a good striker, I think you need to have a little bit of selfishness in you. However, playing on that right wing, I thought he was a little too one-dimensional. He kept cutting inside. The Fulham players knew that. They knew how to defend that. If he went uh, the down the wing a couple of times, because he is two-footed, he could have caused a lot of problems. And so for me, I just didn't think he had an impact on the game and was substituted uh, towards the end. So that would be my candidate for the Beckham boot. Yeah, to be honest with you, I'm going to side with you. For listeners who've been listening to the episodes from the past, they probably thought I, w- I was speaking again because I think I've made those exact same criticisms of Greenwood before. Yeah, it's disappointing that he's not learning on that front. Maybe, you know, you, you have to recognize that he's not, he's just not a natural winger. Obviously, I, we both agree that his long-term future is at the striker position. But in the meantime, he's got to recognize that to get minutes this season, it's going to have to come on that right wing. And he clearly hasn't figured uh, that out. It's been a down season for him. To be ex- expected, if we're being completely fair, last season probably set the expectations way too high for this kid. Uh, you know, There's even stats showing the expected goals. Uh, he far ex- exceeded those. 
And so now maybe he's coming back a bit down to earth. People can get their expectations maybe back in line with where they should be with him. Because let's face it, there are clear flaws in his game. He has blinkers on quite a lot of the time. He doesn't have strength to his game yet. And he gets bullied off the ball quite easily. So uh, those are things that he needs to improve on going forward. So I'm totally with you on that. There's a guy knocking on the door. Apparently, he's doing well in training. His name is Ahmad Diallo. So (laughs) watch out, Mason. Yep, watch out indeed. Carl, I think we've covered everything there is to cover in this match. Are we ready to preview another Liverpool classic, hopefully? Yes, sir. (laughs) What are your expectations going into that, especially considering we just saw them a few days ago? I think Liverpool's looking to kickstart their season again. Their uh, lack of goals is concerning for them. This is an opportunity where, let's be honest, their their focus is probably either on the Champions League or the title, the Premier League. So the FA Cup is probably third priority for them. So I won't be surprised if Klopp experiments to get them going again. So it could either pay off or it could be the, the, the other side of the coin. United just have to make sure that they are at the races and take advantage. They need to be clinical here. So let me make a break. Whoever gets the first goal in this game is going to win the game. Okay. So that being said, the first goal being pivotal, we've had Rashford get a bit of rest now. Lindelof, we don't know what his status will be for that match. We don't know if the back issue is going to continue. Are you looking at the same back four then? Same back four for me. So... Juan Bissaka, Bai, Maguire, and Shaw. And you're going Henderson and Net because it's a cup match. I'm with you on that. I have no complaints there. Midfield, Fred, you're going to have to ask a lot out of him again. I assume he's back in there with Scott. I actually think Matic might play with Scott. Interesting. So you're going with a lot of size. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So if you've got Matic and and uh, Scott together, we're looking at the midfield trio now. Are you going, obviously, Bruno in the middle, I assume? Pogba on which side? Right? Pogba, Pogba on the left and Rashford on the right. Okay. And who's up top? Marshall or Cavani? El Matador. <laughs> yeah, I've got Cavani up front. I am going to throw a bit of a haymaker here because we have talked about United struggles to win the big matches. And I'm going to be overly critical here. And I'm going to admit I'm being overly critical. But you look at the big matches and you look at the impact that Bruno has had in those matches, not much. And I'm looking at who's the best player on United right now. It's Paul Pogba. So I'm giving him the number 10 role in this match. I'm moving Bruno to the left. Okay, okay. I, 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 I like that. I think Bruno, he's one of those team first kind of guys. We'll see. Okay, he starts off on the left. Does he maintain that position? If you looked at, <laughs> if you looked at this game, actually, he found himself quite, quite often on the left-hand side. Playing. I think that's part of why I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. No, I like that prediction. I hope it does come true. Let's see. You know what? Paul needs to be loved. Uh, if I were to borrow a phrase from one of our friends, Barth, 
He <laughs> says Paul's a type of player that always needs some love. So by putting him in the middle, because he's playing so well, you're definitely showing how much you love him. Let it make sure he re- repays us. Yep. So there you have it, folks. Bruno moved out of his preferred position. Paul Pogba getting his preferred position. We'll see if uh, Ole thinks that way too. A reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram at RedCouchMex. If you enjoy the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and join us after every match. Reviews, ratings, getting in touch with us on social media. We love all of it. That's going to take care of this one. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.